0: Welcome to Electronically Yours with Martin Ware
1: Hi, right, it's Martin Ware here Electronically Yours as always and uh, I've just had a very exciting um, interview with Maurice Hayes who was uh, Prince's right-hand man and MD for the New Power Generation from about 1992 uh, 92, he toured with him all over the place did loads of tours starting with the diamonds and pearls tour. a close friend of prince uh, still uh, worked with a giant number of people actually let's see who's who's on this list you'll love this uh, sheila e shaka khan herbie hancock Kenny west elton john babyface carl santana kenny loggins lenny kravitz alicia keys will i am marriage mary j blige maroon 5 annie DiFranco, quest love Kulmody, cool Cheryl Crow, Gwen Stefani, Erica Badu, Amy Winehouse, Bono, The Edge, and Macy Gray, and others. That's not bad, is it? Uh, he's such a lovely guy. I was introduced by my friend Aaron Cassidy Stewart, who used to be in Sounds of Blackness. Uh, so I thank him. I'm giving him a, him a shout out. Uh, we geeked out on this. He, I, I kind of sensed that he was. He, he learned computer science at school and, and all that stuff, and I thought, I know what you'd like. And my friend Simon Lowry, who works for European Southern Observatory, took me to uh, Paranal in the middle of the Atacama Desert to the world's biggest telescope, which was an amazing experience. I bet he would love this. So I'm going to see... I'm going to ask Simon. Simon, I'm asking you now, if I forget. Um, I'd like to... if. Uh, humanly possible, to go with Morris, uh, take Morris uh, with you, of course, to see Paranal. He, his eyes lit up. I'll show you the video later. I'll send you a link. Sigh. Thank you. So, um, yeah, an incredibly interesting guy. Um, the sort of person who you'd want to tour with because he's a bit of a comedian. He's uh, is, is a good energy, I can tell. Uh, but he's also highly technical and he has literally... Sounds like dozens of keyboards on tour with him. And he has to learn with he had to learn with Prince up to 180 songs, which Prince would call on the fly. And he would have to change all the keyboard settings instantaneously for each song. Stuff like that, we find out. And stop press. This is really exciting. I just noticed this. Um, this was last week. Um Lost Prince album, Welcome to America, to be released in July. And my friend, Maurice Hazel, you'll be listening to today, um, announced it. He's been in charge of the project, I think, on behalf of um, uh, Prince's um, estate. Um, It's coming out in July. It's on Sony label Legacy Recordings. The title track has been released, a loping, spacey funk song with spoken word lyrics that feature a typically arch and withering examination of a US characterised as land of the free, home of the slave, harking back to the early 1990s when Prince cast himself as enslaved to his record label, Warner. And it's a warning, basically, about internet culture and massive uh, global entities. It sounds amazing. Um and the links are included. Um, I'll talk to you a bit afterwards, and here he is, Morris Kevin Hayes. How are you, man?
2: Doing well, how are you today, man?
1: Oh God, it's been non-stop. It's just crazy, crazy, crazy. You know, it's like people go, right. Everybody knows you have an hour-long slot for a Zoom call, right? And then I've got you coming up. And I just had an interview, which was, like, going so slow. And it's the BBC, so you can't tell them to go away, you know. <laughs> anyway, I'm going back to them later. It's all right. You're more important. So, um, how are you? Are you keeping well? Good, sir. I'm doing Good.
2: all right, man. I can't complain.
1: Yeah. What's the... Um, Covid situation. Where you are Where are you at, anyway?
2: I'm in the the middle of nowhere, Missouri. <laughs> Good name for a town. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's, it's yeah. uh, out in the uh, prairie plains, and hopefully, a tornado is not on the way. <laughs> oh, is it cold out there? Not really. It's a, it's about fifty degrees, or some somewhere thereabouts. Oh. So it's, oh, it's it's actually uh oh, it's oh, it's pretty okay. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, first of all,
1: thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. And, Absolutely, um, man. Our mutual friend Aaron is a good man, and he deserves a lot of credit. He is indeed. Um, and I try. have been trying to help him. You know, with various opportunities in in uh in the UK, and we've become pretty
2: good friends. Actually, how long have you known Aaron? Anyway. Some, some years now he uh worked with me and when i was in la um assisted me with some things uh when i was still living out there uh, right. so it's been oh my gosh 20 2013 20, 2012 2013 since back right.
1: then right cool cool yeah and of course he's living in my hometown now in sheffield in the yeah. north of it and um uh, it surprised yeah. me, I have to say. But there you go. That's what love does for you. And yeah. uh, he's very happy there, I think, I hope anyway. Uh, yeah. I so, like Yeah, it's okay. You've been on tour everywhere, though, by the look of it. Now yeah. I've done my done my due diligence. I've seen all the, the stuff that you've been doing. Um, first off, I've got to say uh, mass- I'm a massive admirer of your work as a keyboard player, probably anything else um and uh, obviously your connection with prince and but I'm, i'm looking at a list of people that you work with and it's pretty much my record collection to be honest <laughs> uh cuz i'm I, I i'm a even though i grew up in sheffield <clears throat> i'm a soul man really i i uh, am yeah. not a trained i'm not a trained musician um uh, but I grew up listening to Northern soul and soul music is quite big in the North of England, as you probably know anyway. Right. Right. And, uh, so, um, when the, when, um, when Aron said to me that uh, he knew you, I thought, Oh, I'm going to be like a dog with a bone here. I'm just going to hunt him. <laughs> <out."> <laughs> yeah, man. And uh, I saw the nice thing you did for him with the, um, application for the Abbey road thing. That was, that was a,
2: a good thing you did. Right absolutely man I, I i aaron's a good guy he's a hard worker I, I, I like him a lot and he's a dear friend and uh so anything i can do for him I'm, I'm more than happy to do
1: good man good man so tell me about
2: growing up then where did you grow up uh I, i'm from a small town i grew up in a little town called jefferson arkansas It's about 35 minutes south of little rock arkansas and um so i was you know born nearby and and i was there up until i was about 19 or so right right i'm
1: i'm actually looking at a web page which is the encyclopedia of arkansas
2: and you're in it <laughs>
0: yeah
2: i love yeah. that it's yeah it's kind of crazy uh, uh, uh you know it's always nice when you can do, do some things that become uh, uh especially in your own town man if you make it in your own town and and then you have some accolades. It's, a, it's an honorable thing. It's cool. You know, your parents are proud and that sort of thing, especially for some of the people who said that music ain't going to get you nowhere.
1: Get you nowhere. You need a proper job. Go and work in a, a bank. You need a
2: real job. Yeah,
1: all that stuff. I got that from my parents as well. Um, in fact, I took a 50% pay cut. I, I, had a proper, I did have a proper job. I was a computer operator in 1978 and uh, i was only a young guy so i had no responsibilities lots of money well there's lots for me anyway you know and uh then we signed everybody's thinking oh god they signed a record contract with virgin records right and i'm going this is oh, he must be so rich and successful and he's on the tv <laughs> and i i was on half of what i was on as a computer operator for yeah. three years yeah. And anyway it all worked out in the end thanks to tina turner God, Oh, that's favorites. great yeah yeah One um, of my yeah um yeah working with her was uh, we, we, we changed my life really um yeah. you got you know you got to be open to new opportunities and all that stuff just to be in the right place at the right time you know all that i'm sure um, right. so i'm looking at looking here at your your um you work with Stevie Wonder and Whitney Houston Elton John George Clinton and Prince that's not a bad lineup. there that. that's that not, a, not be, a bad lineup. Uh, no that could pretty much stack against anyone I would say because those guys aren't going to take you on unless you know everything there is to know
2: you know what Martin what's crazy man and this is honest <laughs> to God man what's crazy is I'm driving down the road man and I got my Spotify playlist going man and and I've been, I, and, I, and honestly, I've just been driving and weeping, man. I've been like driving my car and just all of these people that you named and some others have come on my playlist, man. Really? And, I just, and the tears start coming down, man. Cause I just think, like, I thank God, man. Like, like I never in a million years in a million years would have thought that that's something that I would have been able to do. I just, I wanted to do music and I wanted to work with Prince and I, I never thought of the wider ramification of all the other people that I would end up crossing paths with and making friends with, and have Stevie Wonder put his hand on my arm and and cry and talk about Prince and and ask me what did I want him what I want Stevie Wonder to do and I'm like what I said what? man Stevie Wonder you, you you tell me what you want to do <laughs> yeah
0: yeah exactly you know what I'm saying
2: man and I just I just have to just humble myself man and just go like wow man it's been a good ride bro it's been yeah, a good you ride
1: you aren't finished yet, that's the thing. No. Um, so so you, you obviously grew up in the church, is that right? Yeah, that's right. And that was a big part of your upbringing, was it? Was it Pentecostal, Absolutely. that kind of thing. Um, and, um, you know, the number of people, um, when I was uh, making all the records in the in the 80s for all the different um, kind of world-famous acts and singers and what have you, the The majority of the players that, that 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 played for me as a producer were from the church. They were from the gospel church, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I became very good friends with people like Light of the World and the kind of Brit Funk thing, you know, that was happening at that point. And um, it's like a gigantic right. family. I love that shit. And um, of course, we used to look yeah. over to um, look over to America and go. You know, we can't compete really, but, you know, and, but they were, they were, uh, good musicians. It's like British jazz. It's not quite the same as American jazz. It's a different context, you know? And, um, so whenever I got the chance, I'd, I, I, I uh, generally tried to play with American players if I could. I mean, I, I managed to get Phoenix Horns into play on a couple of our albums.
2: Oh man!
1: Oh, they—they are the real deal. One
2: of the one of the great horn sections of all time.
1: Absolutely, and I know. I mean, I felt just honoured to be in their presence, and um, so I'm going back to your school days. So tell me how. It says after graduating from college, you played in churches and various bands and moved to Chicago. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I, I said if I dropped out of college, I, I, uh, w- I, what happened was the, the, my move to Chicago was basically brought on by a recruiter that that came to my house while I was in. The, I had a scholarship for art at the University of Arkansas. And uh, a recruiter from DeVry, which is a computer programming school here in the States, um, came by and said, hey, I want to tell you about the school because we think computers <laughs> is the future. And uh, th- this is going to be the way to go moving into the future is computers. I said, computers, huh? <laughs> really?
0: Mm-hmm. And they're like,
2: yeah, that's the future. And uh, we think we can get you programming computers and we'll switch you in and you can be making money. you be on the front edge of this thing called computer science. I was like, wow, okay. And I took, I took him up on it, and I went to DeVry, and I moved to Chicago to do that. And then I just joined a church where my aunt used to go, and I met a pastor that met me back in the 70s, um, that I used to see him on TV all the time uh, down south, and, um, and, and hear him on the radio. And he actually, uh, uh, I stopped him. I just, I, you know, he had like a detail, security people. But I saw him, and I said, hey, that's Reverend Evans from television. So'm I'm, I'm gonna talk to him and I just say, hey, man I, I, I said uh, my aunt goes to your church and one day when I moved to Chicago I'm gonna come join your church He said, "Well you come on son, you come on down to the church and and we're gonna we're gonna uh, help you out and get you get you going and, and sure enough when I, I moved to about the 82 83 something like that, uh, I joined the church and he said, now this is a young man I met down in Tennessee. And uh, he said he was going to come join And Here he is. And he turned around to his his, his uh, choir and said, "You all take him in and work with him," and and, uh, and that that really set me on my way on a musical front. And then just like music started to really take over at that point.
1: And w- so, were you just playing church organ? Did you have your own instrument?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I, I played. I, I didn't really play organ. To- at the church. I only played a little bit. There was so many great organists that, I mean, Reverend Evans had one of the best music staffs in Chicago, like the best musicians in Chicago went to that church. And so it was always like the fight didn't do any of the instrumentation. There was so many keyboard players that were like great. I kind of found a niche in the electronic keyboard section, but there was only one guy and that was Reverend's son, Ralph. And uh, that, that was the, I, since there was nobody fighting for that position and I was interested in it, I said, let me go and try that and uh, and get in that place. And that's what I did. And Ralph was great, man. He really took me under his wing. And, you know, he wasn't like sometimes, man, when you go to do stuff like that, you get a lot of people that's jealous or haters or whatever. And it's just like it's funny style. But Ralph was always cool, man. And always, you know, encouraged me and gave me the opportunity to play and, and just was never funny to me. You know, it was just always cool. You know, so I really appreciate that about Ralph.
1: There are always people in... At my, certainly in my life and I'm sure Aaron would say the same thing everybody I talk to there are just like angels turn up from time to time who yeah. are just there to help you out you know and yeah
2: I, absolutely
1: I've had so much luck in my life with that stuff uh, and you have to be ready for it obviously but um, don't be yeah <laughs> but, that's uh, the key exactly so what what um, what electronic keyboard was that can you remember
2: well, he had two. He had a Fender Rhodes uh, stage and then he had a Prophet 600, which was uh-huh. the, at the time the first MIDI, you know, implemented yeah, yeah. keyboard. And uh, that was it was really, really great, man. So that Prophet 600 was just amazing. Uh, I was like, wow, man, this is awesome. And his Fender Rhodes was outfitted with like a Stewart preamp and he had an, a, a couple of pedals and, and it was it was one of the best sounding roads, man, because that Stewart preamp just really gave it the bite. Uh, when you yeah. hit that hit that thing on, it just like it didn't sound like I could tell when it, whenever it was there and Ralph wasn't there, and you didn't have that preamp, the keyboard sound completely different. Yeah, without exactly. That Stewart preamp, and yeah. it was just like beautiful.
1: Yeah, I, I'm a big advocate for pl- plumbing electronic uh, keyboards into amps. I mean, I started out with a Roland
2: oh yeah
1: a Roland JP four uh and um we were running it oh, through wow. our friends through our friend's Vox A C thirty right which is an old, old like nineteen sixties uh, oh. and it yeah, sounded yeah. great, you know, valve amp and um a bit you know the grit and the compression and all that stuff. Anyway, yeah, so yeah. Big, big fan of all that shit. Oh
2: that's um, nice
1: yeah yeah so um so then you're so you had a it had a it says here you had a vibrant oh you went to minneapolis and uh hold on you went to chicago memphis then to texas co-founded a group called the business right yeah yeah and what what was that all about tell us about that
2: well it was great when i was in memphis i was with this band uh called fingerprint and we we had like uh it was an interesting dynamic because the guitar player was the band leader, it was his band and the lead singer, you know, it was a great band, but there was always this dynamic between the singer and the guitar player. And so eventually we we decided we were going to, we, we spent so much time down in Texas breaking our band. We used to have a van and we used to burn the, the transmission up in this thing. Seems like every few months or, every, you know, uh, so we just decided, well, we were spending so much money on hotels. And, and, and travel and transmissions going to Texas. Why don't we just move there? We work there all the time. Let's just move there. <laughs> yeah. And so we moved to Austin, and it was one of the best decisions I think we ever made as a band. We took four of the guys that were in the band. Uh, we got a new guitar player. And instead of a percussionist, we got another keyboard player. Uh, and and this band was, like, one of the best in Austin, man. It was awesome. And that band, uh, so many great artists came in to see us. You know, Speed Speedwagon. Uh, Kenny Loggins, like all of these people, you know, Kirk Whalum, all of these people would would come in to uh, to to see us, and uh, you know, and and Kenny was so <laughs> mesmerized by the band. He said, "I want to hire all you guys to be in my band." So myself <laughs> and the key, and the uh, other keyboard player, the saxophone player, he ended up playing with Kenny for years. I had just gotten signed with Motown with uh, Maserati. I went to Minneapolis from Austin. And when right. I got word back from Kenny Loggins, because Kenny told me, he says, "Here's my secretary's number. I want you to call Mary. I want uh, you know, call her on Monday. Tell her I spoke to you." Because he was out on tour, and uh, he told us, you know, it was kind of like being on Gilligan's Island. Like, all of these people would come <laughs> on the island and be like, "Man, you guys are great. We're going to get you off the island," and then nobody gets you off the island. And so it was like that had happened so many times. They're we like, "Yeah, right." So we called Mary, and the next thing you know. Uh right around this time, I was going to Minneapolis. Derek called me and said, man, and he called me back. Uh, Kenny wants me to come out to L.A. They want you to come out and audition and whatnot. And I was like, wow. But, I'm, but I can't. I just signed a record deal and I can't come out there. So, but it really did happen, man. And he ended up playing with Kenny for a long time. It was a great moment. Right. And how old were you at this time? Oh, my gosh, man. That was that's kind of like, um, I was in my mid-20s mid to late 20s you were
1: absolutely flying then right so you thought yeah i i love that feeling you know when it feels like the world is just some kind of wave that you're riding on i love that feeling yeah Yeah.
2: it it is a big fat scary wave you know because man you out here doing music man you know when you're out early on in the game you're moving around it's really hand to mouth you know it's like the gigs are like hit or miss and so it's very exciting. It's, it's kind of scary, but it was cool, you know. I felt like I had a good band around me. We all looked out. It was kind of like the Musketeers. We all looked out for each other, and, and I felt like I was with a good group of guys, you know.
1: Yeah. Were you always the MD of the bands that you were in?
2: Uh, not always. Uh, uh, you know, I sometimes when I was always a new person in the band. Uh, you know, like in, in the Fingerprint Band, uh, uh, the guitar player, was, was uh, uh, Angelo, was the MD. And, uh, you know, he he put the music stuff together. And and, and for the most part, uh, when I got to the business, I was pretty much the MD for the business. And then uh, from then on, like Carmen Electra and some of the other bands that I would do, then, I, yeah, I was the MD on that. And eventually yeah. for Prince as well.
1: Yeah. And, and uh, so tell me about your relationship with the time, because it's like you seem to be yeah. kind of interwoven with all that stuff. Because yeah, I love man. that guy. I've got. I listened to. I've uh, listened to the audio book of. Um, yeah. Uh, of his um, uh, uh, his autobiography, and it's really an amazing book. It's it incredible. is. Incredible,
2: Morris Day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. what Tell happened? Tell about was that I guy. was, I, I was um, you know, just doing some stuff here and there, at Paisley, and I got a call from Jerome Benton, and uh, this is around the time they were, they had done uh, this album for Graffiti Bridge um pandemonium and uh but you know jimmy jam and terry were busy man they were like at the height of their production thing they're working with janet they're working with the human league they're working with everybody they're like doing stuff all over the place and they really didn't have time to go on tour you know they gratuitously you know they 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 they, prince asked them to do some stuff and they said yeah we'll do it but then once the movie kind of came out and stuff was happening they said look we can't go and tour and because and, we got too many projects on deck. So myself, a bass player named uh, D.O.A. Derek, uh, Derek Allen and a kid named Bobby Gonzalez that took uh, Jesse Johnson's place. We went out with the time as the new Negroes in the band that we call ourselves the new Negroes in the band uh, with the time. And it was uh, it it was cool, man. I always it, it, it was like a, a a thing that I said came to fruition. But well, when I saw Prince in The Time and Vanity Six, when The Time came on, I said, Oh my God, they're amazing. I'm going to play with them. And then Prince came on. I said, Oh my God, he's amazing. I'm going to play with him too. And it was just a manifestation of something that I said, and I was glad to see it happen. I love The Time. I, I actually told Prince, I said, Prince, no offense, bro. But I said, My band, we we like looking like The Time. We like to play your music, but we like to look like The Time because we couldn't get with the butterflies and zebras. But, <laughs> but, 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 um, uh, but 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 we did love the time because we loved the cool swagger and we loved yeah. Morris Day and and that whole flavor right there we loved that so that was kind of what we liked to emulate and I told him he said no nah. he said no nah, man it's cool I I created that persona because I knew I couldn't pull it off so I had to I had to create that persona and put Morris there. So did you do the dance moves and everything? <laughs> I had to do it all, man. Matter of fact, I wanted to kill Jelly Bean Johnson because uh but he, he's the best to me now because he's the one that kind of taught me what it was going to be like dealing with prince and he was a very hard he was the md for for Morris day and Jelly Bean was like come on man you got to dance you got to sing and you got yeah, yeah. to do all them J- jimmy could- jam used to do all that that's what you got to do you gotta he be a just, mul- gotta be a
1: multiple threat right?
2: yeah he beat up on me every day man and just like really whipped <laughs> me into shape and uh I, I, I'm grateful for it now. I was pissed off back then. I wanted to kill him. I was plotting his death on many occasions. <laughs> but but I, but it turned out to be the best thing that could have happened to me.
1: So tell me uh, about your relationship with Prince. I mean, it's the elephant in the room, you know? Yeah. Uh, the, the man who we all look up to so much. I mean, he, yeah. I can't think of anybody apart from maybe David Bowie who's had such an influence on my career. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, man. Yeah. You know the thing is, brother. Uh, it was um, it was an amazing relationship, and uh, you know, just like anything, it had uh, its ups and downs. Mostly ups. Um, you know, I, I think I endeared myself to Prince because of my humor. Uh, I, I mean, I try to be a funny guy. I always like I, I, I probably would have been a, a comedian if I wasn't so shy and 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 afraid of of uh, failure in that regard, but. I probably would have been a comedian instead because I love comedy. I love, you know, being funny to kind of the class clown or whatever. And and I could make Prince laugh and I could make him laugh hard, man. And and it's one of the things I came to enjoy, man, is seeing him laugh because he really yeah. would get into it when he thought something was funny. He always <laughs> used to tell me, he said, Morris, you're only three jokes short of your own show, man. You got to do your own show. And he actually tried to record me doing my own uh, comedy record one time. And I said, oh my God, no, he scared me to death. Because, you know, when Prince called, I had him laughing so hard, he picked up the phone and he called one of the engineers in Studio A and just, you know, because it was just engineers just hanging out ready for him to do stuff. And he called down there and said, Ray, put some tape up in A. Um, I want to uh, record a comedy thing with Morris. And I was like, oh, my God, Prince. No, I was like, no, (laughs) no, I don't. I I don't have anything to, (laughs) to, to, to put on a comedy record. I was just like, oh, my God, it scared me to death because, you know, they take everything he, say, everything he says very seriously. So yeah. when he says go do something, people start moving around. Yeah, He's activating yeah. like workers. And I'm like, oh, my God, man, no, don't do that. <laughs>
0: like, you know, <laughs> Did you record so, it, though?
2: Did no. It? I told him no. I said, no, oh, my God. I said, I'm just a fool for us. Don't, I don't want to make a record. Like, I don't have enough jokes <laughs> to, like, do. I just do on the fly, you know. I don't know what to do now. You put me on the spot. So I was scared to death. I was like, oh, my God, man, I, you know, because it's Prince. And he's thinking like, oh, like you can go just do like uh, like Bernie Mac. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Uh, I'm not up at that level yet, man. I'm just, I yeah. goof around, but I'm not at that level.
1: So but, I know, it was a- yeah, sorry, I was going to say, uh, I know that obviously Prince played just about every instrument you could yeah. lay his hands on by the sound of it. Uh, but did you, um, did you, were you responsible for coming up with arrangements for him and stuff?
2: Uh, only, only, and uh, only when it came to su- certain records and certain things like that. Um, but you played Prince on Diamonds and Pearls, though, right? No, no, no. That was before. That was before oh, my was time. I I came on the Diamonds and Pe- Pearls tour as the oh, opening right. act with Carmen and Electra. So oh, okay. uh, Prince had, had already done that record by the time I now I was working at the studio. Uh, uh when that was all being done i was working at the studio in the 80s you know as a as a production assistant you know i, I had right. keys to the van i would go pick up the talent and go do stuff when they were recording so they were working on those records when i was working in the building as just a uh, production assistant
0: i
1: see i see i'm getting a handle on it now so yeah so when you are you were actually asked to join the touring band
2: what year was that roughly? That was the end of '92. So um, after we got off tour with uh with with the you know as the opening act with Carmen Electra on the Diamonds and Pearls tour, that was summer '92. When we got back, uh, we got off the tour. I ran into Prince at the nightclub that he had Glam Slam, and that's yeah. when he asked me about uh, joining his band. And then of course I had to go through the whole rehearsal process before we ended up doing it. The, like the first part of the year in 93 a show at the at his club the glam slam but i got in the band at the end of 92.
1: and was it true that uh, he used to have a, a, a slate of a huge number of songs and he'd just call oh out yeah yeah so how much I, you think?
2: I had it on my the, the most i could hold on my keypad that my keypad would accept is 128 Sweet. and I, and i and it and it would be full and as a matter of fact Once it got overflow, I had to tell Prince, like, Prince, I only got 128 slots that this thing can do. I need to take something out if if I'm going to add something in at this point. And you had to tell me, I don't want to take out something that you may call. I need you to look at my list and see what we can take out if you want these new things in. So we were like the human jukebox band. and, (laughs) And it was like, if I tried to guess what he wanted out and he called it, then I'm screwed. Because that the, the reason why I had a list and I had all of that in a computer is because all 16 of my keyboards, when I pushed that number in, had to switch to the right sound and the right yes. configuration, everything had to switch at one time in an instant. So if if I otherwise he wants to go quick and I don't have I don't have time to look at six different keyboards like, OK, find the pad on this one, find the synth on this yeah, one, yeah, find yeah, the yeah. samples on this one. I had no time for that. So, so it's all I had a MIDI,
1: to do it. It's all a MIDI box that switched everything. Yeah, I had like yeah. a
2: studio. I had Studio Fives and uh, and a Mac 2CI computer running yeah. OMS. You know, OpCode uh, OMS to to direct everything with the samplers to give every keyboard the right patch splits. Because some things I had layered from the the, uh, the keyboard interfaces in the rack under the stage, they were layered to certain keyboards, and like I could put three or four sounds and then split two solo sounds on the, on one keyboard and put one left, one right. All that kind of stuff I had to set up in the program. And then once you save it, it, re, it memorizes all of that. Yeah. And so all yeah. I had to do is hit Purple Rain and whammo, all of the samples, everything yeah. comes up.
1: So uh, that computer science education came in handy,
2: right? <laughs> very, very, very handy. It was a lot of flowchart type stuff. And so uh, it, it, it did help me to get my head around it, and it caused me to be able to make some extraordinarily complex uh, systems. I don't know how I would have been able to do my job to make us sound like the record like we did live, because Prince didn't like sequencers, but he did like having samples and having everything sound like the record. And, yes. and we could play it in real time that way, and man, that was, it was crazy because he could change it on the fly. And that's what Less- he loved about. it.
1: And he changed the. He could change the structure on the fly and everything on the fly, right? Absolutely. My God, this is no joke. I mean, I you know, obviously I perform as well, and uh, it frightened yeah. me. So that's what you're
2: saying. Did it ever uh, fuck up at any time? Oh my God! Well, not him. I mean, he, even he when Prince, <laughs> even when Prince messed up, he could he could mess up again and sound like it was that what it was supposed to be
0: yeah he's
1: like that's jazz right
2: yeah he could he could do that he could do the miles davis and and it, there were no wrong notes for him because he could just repeat it and make it look yeah. like that's what he intended to do
0: he and so yeah.
2: but for us there would be technical glitches that of course that would happen and could be sometimes could be pretty disastrous but you know for the most part it worked we had yeah. really good techs i understood the tech you know and so uh just every now and again, a mishap, but you just had to learn how to like get around it. And we figured out, you know, contingency plans on how to get around right.
1: it. Right, right. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, you are a valuable man to have around, uh, <laughs> to say the yeah. least. um I was talking to, uh, I did an interview with Thomas Dolby. And he oh, was, yeah. He God, was telling my me,
0: favorites. yeah,
1: he was telling me when the Fairlight first came out, he did uh-huh. a tour. And uh, he was playing uh, a venue in Sheffield, my hometown. And um, he didn't have a spare because they cost £35,000. 35000
2: yeah, exactly.
1: he he turned up and his entire set was on the Fairlight and he wouldn't boot up. So (laughs) he had to cancel the gig completely. There was no plan B, you know. I, that's a bit too edgy for my taste, you know. I, 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 we, I, we
2: also had fair lights. I remember when I first came uh, to Paisley and was working as a production assistant, they actually did have two fair lights. And on both of the fair lights, on the uh, CPU box, there was a big sign that says, it was a turnkey system. It said, no, no key, no show. A big right. giant sign on the side of it. You right. better have the key. Because if you don't have the key, there's no no key, no show. All wow. the printed samples for, for the, the new tour was in that keyboard. And if they somehow screwed up and didn't have that, you were jacked up. And you were going to have your head uh, cut off. It was, <laughs> was going to be your ass. Make no mistake about
0: it. And out. so
2: there was these giant, beautiful signs on there that says, no key, no show you're done yes. if it, thomas was a severe cat i talked to him once and it was one of the great moments in my keyboard life i, I got a chance to tell him he was, what a great hero he was to me
1: oh wow wow i once went to uh, a friend of mine is uh works for uh, an organization called the european southern observatory they're basically part and it's like nasa for europe right and yeah um, he he's got friends in cern you know the uh yeah the, the, the super collider course, yeah yeah mm-hmm. super and um he took us down there and we got inside there and we went to the museum there and it, oh my it's God. Got, yeah, it got the uh it got the original um pc tower that that was the original server for the internet
2: oh that my this God.
1: one box and he said this tatty little kind of handwritten sign on the outside it says, do not switch off and I'm do not switch oh the God. whole internet off.
2: Oh, my Do God. That's want. crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Listen, that is if you, crazy. If you ever want to go to CERN, just give me the nod. Oh, if my. You, would you like that? That's when the nod. In, Absolutely. Seriously, if you ever oh want to go to CERN, I can get it's, you in there through my friend. So
2: that's in Switzerland, right?
1: Yeah. If you yeah. ever want to go to – here's another thing. The same guy is the kind of global tech tech – um, uh, expert for European Southern Observatory. They own the world's biggest telescope in oh the middle, God. in the middle of the Atacama Desert. If you like astronomy, I love it. Oh man, it, I, it it took me. I love it. It took me there, and it changed my life. It was a life changing experience. It's I the drive- tell you,
2: I have a, Bro, I had a buddy of mine that lived in Malibu it's the first time in my life that I could stand and look at the solar system, the Milky way yeah, yeah, on top of that mountain and see it that clearly with my own eyes. Exactly. Cause, it, cause when I lived in LA, man, you know, the city lights obscure yeah, a yeah. lot of the sky, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. when I went to his house in Malibu and, and he pointed to me, he was a, he, he was a big in astronomy as well. He pointed to me where Saturn was. He said, I think that's Saturn over there. He took out his phone. He had an app in the phone that if you hold it up in the sky, yeah, 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 star, you know, it'll, yeah, yeah it'll t- So when we kind of spotted it, so yeah, that's Saturn. We got his telescope, and I looked and, at it, and uh, you could see the, you see the ring. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh, you can see it. Yes. So,
1: oh man, I'm going to get you an invite to to the BLT in in uh, Paranal, in uh, the middle of the Atacama Desert. Three hours away from any other town, right? No light. You're not even allowed to have, you got to drive with side lights on. You're not even allowed to have, oh my uh, God, headlights within, two, within two miles of it.
2: Man, it's, we going, man. Road yeah, trip. you're, you're down trip. with that? You're down
1: with it. we going, Good. man. Oh, no. Okay. So the thing is, you go into a darkened room and uh, you could, to acclimatize your eyes to the platform where these things are and this was a moonless night after an hour when your eyes have acclimatized you go out and i literally fell to my knees it was the most awe-inspiring sight the entire sky was full of stars the milky way was so bright you could put your hand six inches from the ground and see your a shadow of your hand that's incredible. From the stars oh my by starlight.
2: Oh, my God,
1: man. And it That's blew incredible. my mind. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to dig out the photos. You will not believe oh it. It my looks, God. Like, it looks God. like somebody's doing it on Photoshop. This, this shit it, it blew my mind. You could see the uh, mega mega, mega uh, megalanic clouds clearly uh-huh. by the naked eye. You could God, see the, all that shit. You can go into the main VLT. And switch on the fucking laser, which which automatically points at whichever feature you want to point at, and you um uh, oh, it, it just. Oh man, you me. got me tore up
2: over here, man. I'm. I'm uh, tripping, uh, man. I knew Holy you'd be great. You're a, You're a Scott, tech guy, man. right? Yeah. yeah right. Dude, I'm, gonna, I'm dude, gonna, I gonna... love science. One of my buddies runs the Mars Rover program. Uh, at least he ran it, and uh, I went to NASA JPL in Pasadena. Right. And, right. And I went, and I actually could, could you could I could touch the Mars rover that's there because wow. you know wow. with everything that they do they have to do it twice they make yeah. two of them yeah that's the one they would do the experiments run the experiment and then beam the software to the other one it takes 20 minutes for it to beam to the one on Mars
1: oh I see so they can replicate it's they, they can
2: replicate issues. so they do whatever the experiment they had a Mars kind of like area at NASA where it's like it looks like you're on Mars it's like the rocks and the, t- the the landscape and all of this and they take the rover it had a the working laser everything had a warning sign like you know give a heads up for uh, for, uh um heads up for like we're gonna turn on the laser like it was like whoa this is bananas whoa. you know it was crazy it yeah. was crazy
1: so what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to my friend Simon, who, who who's, who's sorts all this out. He took he took um, he took Nile Rogers out there as well. He's a big he's a big 80s Oh man, that's my guy now.
2: Bigger.
1: Right. So um, I'm, and I'm going to as a thank you to Aaron. I'm going you know, to well. now you know now you
2: know as another buddy I have, uh, and, and I say buddy lightly because I only met him once, uh, uh, <laughs> and I know he's a big science buff too. All oh, right. Okay, is my main man uh, Brian May? <laughs> oh, Brian May—he's the
1: man. He's a nice guy too.
2: He's a sweetheart of a guy. I was playing the, uh, you know, you know, in London there, in Leicester Square. Yeah. Um, Leicester Square. Th- well, thereabouts uh, in that in that area over there uh, is the Café de Paris. Uh, oh yeah, uh, I played there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so I go in my dressing room. Who but Brian May is sitting in it? I'm like, what? You know, what the hell is Brian May doing in my dressing room? I'm like, holy Jesus, mother of Christ, what in the world is going on? And our drummer, Michael Bland, like, hey, it's Brian May. I'm like, I fucking know it's Brian May. <laughs> I'm like, what, what,
1: what was he doing in your dressing room?
2: He was in there hanging out. And he's talking. I'm like, holy crap. And like, great Scott, man. What is going on? And just, so we just chopped it up with Brian for him, man. I'm like, oh my God, bro, this is too heavy for me today, man. It I was so
1: awesome. I should have got him to play with you. He, oh do my like God, it. bro. That dude, would like have been awesome. Playing. But yeah. he's a
2: severe cat when it comes to some space stuff too, man. He's, he's, a, he's a brilliant dude, man. Well, no, I, Brian.
1: Oh God, we need to talk about Look, I'm serious about this. I'm going to check it I'm out. I'm deadly I'll, serious, bro. I'll come, I'll, come, I'll come back to you. It Please. will change your life beyond doubt. I've toured the world, you toured the world, you've done you've had amazing experiences. This is like suddenly Oh man, that's crazy. Suddenly man, you I... think you understand how the how the uh the Aztecs and the Mayans would look at the stars and go, Yeah. There really, I mean, there's no twinkling stars at all because there's no moisture in there. It's the driest place on earth. So it looks yeah. like a star cloth. And it that's looks just about incredible.
2: Yeah, that's incredible. And see, slowly what's slowly. great about it too is, you know, my, my guy was telling me at NASA, you know, because I, I'm I I'm a science geek, man. I really love science in school, yeah, and So I too. know a lot of the missions, and I kind of impressed him because he said he gives tours. He told me so. He said, I'm Morris, so I'm really impressed." He said, "Usually, I give these tours, you know, and people are just kind of like, yeah, 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 and this, that, another." He said, "You know all the missions." He said, that's like really cool that, you know, the missions. And he was telling me about, uh, you know, one day had a Mars rock. And, and I asked him, I said, well, how do you know this rock's from Mars? He says, well, he said, Mars has no uh, uh, magnetic field. So the rock configurations are completely different than they are on Earth just because uh, they don't have a magnetic field. So that's because was a pretty good size of a rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, how the hell did it get from Mars to here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, nobody threw it that far. So how did it get it? So he was just telling me about it and, and how did he know? But then the thing that really gassed me he says, you know, Morris, he says, you when you think about because I was talking about like Kepler and 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 of course you know, all of the different uh the uh telescopes that were out in space. And, and you know, and, and uh and he says, when you think about it, Morris, he said. When you're standing on earth looking at the stars you're looking at the past that the, 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 t- the amount of time that it took the light from those yeah. stars to get here that was billions of years ago in some cases yeah. yeah yeah and it's like you're just now seeing it with your naked eye you're able to stand on earth and see that far like the fact that i can look at saturn with my naked eye bro I
0: know, and it's then, but then
2: put the put not even a powerful not even like what we're talking about, what you're talking about. This is yeah, just yeah. a, a mag, magnifying glass, a, a telescope you can have in your own backyard. And yeah, my yeah. man just happened to have a nice one, one. Or
0: something. Yeah. But yeah.
2: it was good enough to see the rings on this freaking thing, and I'm like, oh my god! You talking about something out in the middle of the desert with no light? Oh, oh
1: my god! You, you can't Bro. believe what you're looking at. It's just, and also all the, um, all, all, all the, uh, all, all the astronomers. Mm-hmm. They stay nearby, and they've all got their own personal tele- uh, telescopes. Yeah. So they uh, they got the ne- they got the prosumer level, so they got the ones that are computerized and pointing. Sure, sure. that stuff, but uh, these guys stood outside their Adobe huts, right? And they're going, what, "What do you want to look at now? Should we have a look at the moons around Jupiter? Yeah, let's have a look at Io." And, uh, and I'm going, and these are just. And then when you multiply that by about 10,000, you've got the BLT, the, real, the real Telescope. Oh, anyway, you, anyway, we're going to do that shit. Right? I'm geeking out, man. I'm
2: completely, I'm completely geeking out. This um, is the only thing that give me more crunk up than music. You know what I mean? Like when <laughs> me we too. talk about music and science, man. Because oh, it's like it. to me, they're both in the same sphere to me. They both have that, they, they're able to generate the same kind of feeling it's to the, me.
1: It's the sacred geometry. Yeah. That's what it is. There's a reason why all this stuff sounds right, and it's because of the uh, mathematical relationships. Okay, yes. I'll go. I've got a book for you. If you're a geek, you'll love this, and it's an old one actually. Um, it's a guy called um, Douglas Hofstadter, and it's 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 called um, Gödel, Escher, and Bach: The Eternal Braid. Oh my God! Uh, and I you it sounds to me.
0: Send me an email
1: and I'm I'll send you an email. It. I'll write and it And I'm going to find it. Uh, it's really good. And it basically, the argument of it all is uh, that, that creativity, intelligence, music, uh, art is all the same thing. And right. this is, it, it's basically compiled. He used to write for Scientific American uh-huh. and it's it's a compilation of all his, um, his kind of columns. I and mean, it's really readable and interesting. Some of it is like, you know, quantum physics. I don't understand that shit. Yeah, but, but
2: that's that's killer, though. That, yeah, I'm looking for something to, to, to download in my Apple Books. If it's, if it's oh, a download, it, I grab it.
1: Well, it won the Pulitzer Prize uh, about 30 yeah. years ago. Right. So it's just Wonderful. my favorite book of all time. Anyway, Wonderful. we're getting close to the end of our lovely talk. Um, we've hardly touched on a load of stuff. But um, what what are you up to at the
2: moment? <laughs> well, man, you know it's uh, I'm I'm making a move. As you can see, I'm towing some yeah. stuff. I went to Minneapolis, I did some television, and now I'm headed back home. I'm gonna move, and then I'm working on the uh, new Power Generation record, and we're looking to have something about us, you know, and, and within the next few months, start dropping some tunes, man. And uh, I'm I'm digging what we have got going so far, and I want to keep continuing to write some new stuff and. And developing new stuff for new power generation
1: great and if you ever fancy a free remix just let me know i've got my own studio and nice hey, how about how about a 3d remix i've got a 3d sound co- company you could do one of those what yes oh yes I've been oh doing it for man years.
2: this is this is epic man
1: yeah yeah this also i can epic. render it i can render it into binaural so it's 3d for headphones
2: oh my that's god is what I that's yes. the kind of stuff i'm talking about i got a chance to see a guy Dude, yeah, you that's should. awesome. Yeah, we're yeah, going to talk beyond this, man. This is, yeah, this is yeah, amazing. Yeah. We'll talk
1: gonna, beyond this. I'm going to send you that book and my my uh, company, and you can check out all the projects we've done uh, around the world. I've done stuff in New York and in America, and I've done live 3D sound Wonderful. gigs at the Roundhouse uh, where we had a, 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 an electric storm in three dimensions before we came on wow. stage. And uh, Dude,
2: that that's awesome. See, this yeah. is the kind of stuff I was thinking about doing an EDM project with my guy in LA, David Alexander, and we wanted to do like uh, you know, like uh like like 3D rendering and stuff like this, where we like render stuff on stage and see 3D sound, and we wanted to try stuff with these backpacks that feel bass and so that people yeah, can yeah. actually be like interactive with the sound. But we and, can and, do and, yeah, almost even like silent concert.
1: We've done we've done that shit, and we can help you if you ever want to do it. We can tell you how, how to do it. We've got the software.
0: Oh, this so is great. We One did, it, we did it yet. This is <laughs> great.
1: We did uh, we did a gig in um, Hamburg, and there's a there's a venue called yeah. the Elbphilharmony. It's brand new. It's the best concert hall nice. in the world. Classical concert. Wow. Hall all sorts of stuff it looks like an alien has created this place right and um man that, that is so dope and it's like you know eight stories high it's got four balconies and it's all like super futuristic and wow. um and we put the we we uh, created the world's biggest ever 3d sound gig there with my friends from the bands um gold and uh porty said in britain uh they've Portis got a thing called, yeah man yeah they've got a thing called um th- they've got a thing uh, called the moog ensemble right which is like 12 keyboard stations oh my god uh where they recreate uh they write new stuff but they recreate famous stuff they did the they did escape from new york in 3d with me the sound. Oh my god! I thought you was gonna
2: say like they did some Win- like Wendy Carlos stuff or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Wendy Carlos. No, they did
1: that as well. They did oh, the Brandenburg-, my- Brandenburg Concerto and stuff like that. Yeah, they they also did um. I mean, all oh. sure that shit. But we did it in three D for the first time ever. This was two years ago. So if oh you ever want to invo- yo. get involved, if you want to get involved in that so- situation, I can hook you up. We Need to talk, basically. man.
2: That's awesome, you know. Like, like I said, like they like, like, uh, like switched on Bach, all that kind of stuff. Oh, is like my god, is like, like that, that's just nutty to me, man. Like, Wendy Carlos stuff is just like, yeah, just nutty. And, um, and
1: uh, Tonto's expanding headband, oh, yeah, 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 and um, and Tamita, fantastic. Mm-hmm me man
2: oh my god bro this is awesome yeah 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 <laughs> so we're on the awesome. we're all on the
1: same track we can have some good fun in Chile talking
0: about man it,
2: please sure. keep in touch man because i I'm, <laughs> I'm stoked man i am <laughs> super stoked at the opportunity man this is great yeah it's, I'm gonna make it happen so
1: um right final lap here we go well i always ask everyone uh some stupid kind of pop magazine type questions at the end uh, sure. just to keep it light so okay what's your favorite book
2: uh the alchemist right now man is like uh it's pretty heavy duty i mean the alchemist is is a uh, uh a friend of mine turned me on to it and it's just it's a it's a legendary classic
1: yeah i know that, I know that book.
2: And, and 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 so it's just you know just one of those great books that, that that's just a good read and good to have
1: cool um and your favorite tv program it can be old new series one-off oh.
2: man you know what i used to love and it used to i just thing is i couldn't uh i i, I was always touring and i would miss it man i used to love lost man i the jj abrams yeah. Um, yeah, show and and it was crazy man because i used to love alias and lost and me and my wife would at the time would watch it and but I get pissed off because I go on tour and then, you know, man, it just, I miss so many episodes that I'd be like, forget about it. I'm so lost now. I don't even know what's going on. Um, but I ran into a guy that was at Prince's house and, he, and he's an actor named Greg. Uh, uh, what's Greg's last name? Um, uh, They call him Grunny. But he's an actor on, on Alias and he hmm. was like on the first episode of Lost as a pilot. And I recognized him, you know, in Prince's house. I recognized him. I said, "Oh," and he recognized me. So he came up to me like, "Oh my God, Mr. Hayes, man, I'm a big fan." Blah blah blah. And I'm like, "Hey, man, I like your work too. I see you on TV and stuff." And I mean, I'm like, "You're cool." And he's like all excited. And he said, "Man, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. He's been a longtime friend of mine." Um, he said, Do, "Have you ever heard of J.J. Abrams?" I said, "No." And he says, "Well, can I introduce?" I said, "Yeah, sure." He brings him over. He said, "Hey, man, this is J.J." And then he said, "J.J. did Lost. He did Alias. He did Felicity." I said, "Whoa." You did, you did, lost. <laughs> and he said, yeah. I said, he did direct. I said, oh my God, you created it. I said, dude, I love that show. I said, an alias is like two of my favorite shows. Oh my God, this is great. And, uh, and I said, who does the music for that show? It's like, Mason, "Well, I did for that. I said, what? You did the music. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, bro. I said, and, and uh, I said, the only thing that sucks, man, I'm on tour so much, I miss it. He said, what's your address, man? This dude gets my address, man. JJ sends me all the DVDs to all the seasons of Lost and Alias and everything. I was like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. That's like getting Jacques Cousteau to clean out your fish tank, man. That was like crazy. (laughs) 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 It was crazy. And we've been, me and JJ have been friends ever since, man. I'd like hit him up. I got to actually hit him. I haven't talked to him in a while. He's been so busy with like Star Wars and Star Trek and all of that stuff. But yeah, (laughs) man, that was like, I met him then uh and and that was the coolest thing because i like i said with television man i just don't get a chance to you know to get locked into something because it just like you gotta go yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah i know what it's like okay favorite film
2: oh man i got a few uh i got a few i i i i love shawshank redemption man it's one of those movies if i see it on a guy i have to watch it uh uh, I, i love the matrix i thought the matrix was cool but The movie that i really got absorbed in man that was like great and i i remember talking to prince about it was uh i went to see uh avatar and and 3d imax like like, yeah i did that too yeah yeah the screen was so it was so big that it curved like it was like a yeah Yeah. and bro with that 3d imax I kept hitting a guy in front of me because there was <laughs> shit in front of me that I could like, I could touch it. I was That's like, there's right. a bush in front of me. Yeah. And they I had those flowers me. and shit. Didn't yeah. It, and I was like, him. it was right in the front of me. And I, this guy was like, bro, like seriously, bro. Like what? I'm like, it's all over you, dude. Like it's, it, it was, I, and I saw Prince like right after I saw it and he said, uh, did you see Avatar?" I said, I, He said, uh, he said, what'd you think? I said, Prince, it was great. I, I I loved that movie. I think it was the most coolest thing. He said, I, He said, yeah, I just wanted to move there. He yeah. said it was so beautiful. He just wanted to live there. Well, and they've I been working
1: like, so hard on the next one, haven't they? I mean, it's ridiculous. Well, you know, God Cameron, can be like.
2: I ran into him once at, at a place. Matter of fact, when you were talking about the 3D headphones, I had a guy that's in Santa Monica that's in the, all of that kind of stuff, surrounding these, and it's it, it, like proprietary stuff for yeah, headphones Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. like putting stuff like 3d out of, out of yeah, pocket like that it. and i went to his thing and and now uh, when i went james cameron i was leaving and james cameron was coming in to this one place um that uh, they do like this whole 3d mixing kind of thing uh yeah. and and i was leaving and he was coming in so he invents tech I mean, when he's making a movie like like even with Avatar, man, they invented a lot of stuff to just even be able to shoot that film with. And I'm sure that they've been doing the same thing. I think he knows what what he's got to do to kind of try to top that movie because it was cutting edge when it came out. And I'm sure this thing is going to be severe and I'm sure they're probably running over budget and all kinds of stuff like that. But it's going to be amazing.
1: I think he's and, making um, about three or four of them at the same time, isn't he? Isn't he oh wow! Yeah, I think he's got going to line them up like one every eighteen months or so. Um,
2: oh well, that's 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 clever. That's yeah. clever. That's a good way to do it. I mean, uh, you know, at least you know, while you got the crew and you got the stuff, everybody's healthy and you just keep it moving. Because yeah. the one thing that happens when you spread them out over the years, people get hurt, people get killed, and then the next yeah. thing you know, you, you don't have a you know. Look at Black Panther.
1: Yeah, exactly. Great film, by the way. Um, yeah. Okay. What? Uh, one moment in your life that you, you think was like a big, light bulb moment. You know, an epiphanal moment in your life. Something that changed you, changed your direction, or a that big was reality. December
2: 17, eighty two. Like, like the specific thing. December 17, eighty two, brother. Yeah, it was. It was. It was the Prince concert. That's when I, when I knew that that was my destiny, man. I, I saw that show, and I knew that that's what I had to do that day. Wow. I still have that ticket to that show in my pocket right now. It's in really? my wallet right to this moment. Yes, sir. I can take it out of my wallet and show it to you right now. This ticket wow. from that concert changed my life. Holy and I shit. knew that that was what I had to do. Did you tell Prince that? I told him you know what's crazy I told him that at the and I didn't tell him directly I was sitting next to him while I was telling to Shelby J one of our singers we got to talking about it and I and I told her the story and Prince was sitting next to me and he said is that true and I said yeah and I took the ticket out and I showed it to both of them and 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 uh I never told it to Prince because you know I looked up to Prince man and I thought you know if, if I told him that story and he and Prince had a tendency like you know he kind of kind of bat your little thing down you know and it'd be like (laughs) i always felt like if he shot it down i'd really be heartbroken i'd really be like oh "Oh, man man. and so i I didn't never tell him about it and wanting to be like oh yeah whatever dude and 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 poo it or something like this so i just kept that to myself but i told shelby because i've just it was basically just telling her like i know you can make it happen if you wanted to if you try And I said, that's what happened to me. And I told her the story and Prince just happened to be sitting there. And um, uh, he just happened to be sitting there. And it was just like, uh, it was crazy. And that was toward the end of my run with him.
1: That's a great answer, I have to say. One of the best. Um, Other musical artist or composer? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Which other musical artist or composer?
2: Um, oh man, so many great uh artists and composers that I love, man. Patrice Russian is like amazing to me. Uh I just heard some of her film score work and it's it was breathtaking to me. It was really? it was incredible. Like I, I knew she was always good. She Patrice is a great MD. She's you know, she uh did a lot of uh wonderful stuff with like the Grammys and different things like this. But I heard her some she played her soundtrack score stuff and I I was
0: oh my god
2: it was so severe I I had no clue no clue and I was just sitting there with my mouth open you know I I I love Hans Zimmer and and there's some other cats like that that's like amazing uh you know Atticus and 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 them and it's just a lot of great composers but I had no I think what shocked me is I knew she was great in that regard and when I heard her score stuff I just like wow my, uh, my coiffre plateau, I was like, Holy smokes, this is amazing! So, Patrice is dope. Uh, I've I lo- I always have loved her, she was a early catalyst for me to do what I do as well. Um, I love Stevie, right. of course. Uh, yeah. so there's a lot, there's a lot,
1: a lot, a lot, lot. Okay, uh, final question favorite
2: synth, man, <sighs> probably s- synth. Of, uh, of all time that's just like a behemoth of a beast of a synth it's probably like the Memory Moog yeah uh, that that synth and, and the Andromeda those two were like two monsters of synths that I was just like and I, and of course I love the you know the, I love my prophet I love yes. the Oberheim but just as for and, and, oh I have to add in there the Matrix 12 I had to put that in there because that was yeah. a severe beast. That that synth was a complete monster. It just was a complete and absolute monster. So yeah. if I had to, if I had to put them in there neck and neck, it would be the the Andromeda, the Memory Mode, and the uh, the 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 Matrix Twelve. Those those and a you Jupiter are... Eight. Jupiter Eight was another monster. Yeah, this yeah. was like one of my I, favorite I favorites. And, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Would you? Uh, this is an interesting fact. I've done probably 25 of these now and I, I ask everyone what their favorite synth is because mostly, mostly people connect with music. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not had the same answer twice. Isn't that interesting? That is
2: interesting. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. You would think maybe Moog would have a prevalence or... Nope. Everybody's got their own favorites. I've, I've interviewed Gary Newman. You know, John Fox did, it, yeah, blah, blah blah. All these people, um, uh, um, um, Jeff Wayne, who did War of the Worlds, have
2: and they've all got different answers. It's amazing, it is amazing, but there's so many great units out there. I mean, the first set I ever had was a, a Moog satellite, right? Uh, that was one of my first. I had the first electronic keyboard, I had a Far piece of Continental organ, right? It was great. That's the one Sly Stone had. I had a uh, Fender Rhodes eighty-eight. Um, yeah, I've stage. Got,
1: I, I've got the first digital Rhodes in front of me right here. Actually. Oh my god! The One that was uh, built I, by, by Rhodes himself. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's awesome. That yeah, is awesome.
1: Beautiful. It's a beautiful machine. Yeah, so it is me. indeed.
2: I, I I talked to them when they were coming back out with with some of the uh, the other units, and they, I was real happy about that. I was yeah. happy to see it and happy to hear it. Yeah. I was, as a matter of fact, I was with, um, um, with, uh, gosh, one of my favorite producers, actually, uh, and, and a Rhodes, Rhodes Smith, as I call him, uh, right. J- uh, Jason, um, uh, good Lord, it's uh, Jason, um. Uh, Oh Jesus! It'll come to me. But Jason, uh, uh, we were talking about it. We love roads, and we we're just talking about how you have to. Uh, it's, it's the approach to how you yeah. play a fender roads, You know? Oh my it God! You
1: know, the thing I love about the roads is everything sounds musical. Even the mistakes sound musical. Yeah, it's just a yeah. very musical machine. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Everything sounds deliberate on it. Uh, that's what I love about
2: it. It's great. Jason it's a great Riles. Yeah. Sorry jason miles
1: yes yes yeah that's it yes that's
2: it. and we were talking about just the way that you approach it it's just a whole nother thing it's but it's, it's, it's really wonderful
0: though
1: yeah i think the, the roads is the best machine for me to to write songs on uh, oh of- it's
2: wonderful it's wonderful yes. man uh, and i have i had an 8200 like Wurlitzer, but 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 my fender roads i just love the touch of it i love the, hearing the times I just yeah. like like you know the, the expressiveness of it, you know what I mean, and the, the, ha- the character of it.
1: Feedback, yeah, yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. The vibrations,
2: right? And it's crazy from like a Mark V to a Mark II or whatever that you have. The nuance yeah. between the units that you know once you have heard it, you can tell like you know from one to the other which one you're dealing with because of the way that it sounds.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That's it, man. That's it. Time's up. We are gonna go to Chile. I'm going to make it happen. Yes! We're going to have such fun. We're going to have such fun. It's going to be like, awesome, bro. I, I, I feel like I met a good friend today. So I'm very... It makes me... Uh, so do
2: like, I, man. I mean, we're like-minded spirits, man. Yeah, and I, yeah, I can yeah. tell you this. Whenever I get like geeked up to where I feel excited like <laughs> this, this one I know is good, man. It's like... That's when I was at JP. At the, at the JPL lab, you know, man, just to see that that's the space when the, when the rockets take off successfully, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah! there you, you go. Know? I was like, there it is, that's the energy, man. And yeah. to be there, man, that was like, that was amazing to me, man. And to go in there and be with the real scientists that do this, man, these kids are freaking brilliant, man. They're oh, I... unbelievable. Yeah,
1: yeah. Cool, man, Well, let's end on that. All right, brother. That was Morris Hayes from New Power Generation who toured and made albums with uh, Prince throughout the 90s. And um, I got some great stories about Prince out of that. And the people he's met are, I mean, I barely barely touched on it. I mean, we could have talked for a long time. Um, I would have liked to talk to him for a long time just about Prince, to be honest, because I'm such a fan. He's, uh, he's very popular down-to-earth kind of guy I think um he's obviously a guy who's at the top of his game and uh I can't wait to spend a bit more time with him and stay friends with him and it's not very often that you meet people who you've never talked to before had any contact with before and you instantly find some kind of connection with them and uh, I feel that's the case with Morris so I'm very happy to make his acquaintance some more emails <clears throat> here we go This is Lyndon Late. Hi, Martin. I've been a fan of electronic music since my daddy worked on Radio London. Yes, the pirate one. One day he brought home an album called An Electric Storm by White Noise. I was very young at the time, but the sounds intrigued me and the B-side scared the shit out of me too. The visitations is like an oral nightmare. It is terrifying. Uh, You should go and listen to it. It's on Spotify. An Electric Storm by White Noise. Uh, anyway, I've seen you many times, always in the front row. Sumo and Paul Wilkinson, who are two of our most loyal fans. I am uh, hello, Sumo and Paul. Uh, I am loving the podcast; very entertaining and enlightening. I enjoyed Thomas Dolby as he is good friend and neighbour when he's home. Hope you will be able to interview the wonderful Hannah Peel soon. Okay, I'll consider that. This is Rob Aitchison quite a long one this might have to edit it uh hi martin just saw your tweet i'm a massive fan of your work since way back sort of the, the league amid your uh, hammersmith a couple of years back epic what's the league got to do with anything anyway um and your podcast is a wonderful reminder of how good that music is and all it has meant to me the lps have been out a lot recently it certainly helped relieve some of the downers in the past year i digress and then he goes on to uh, show an interest in the sponsorship thing um, that I mentioned. I'm looking for a sponsor for the podcast. So I'm going to respond to Rob. Um, I haven't a chance yet, but I will do it surely. This is from Marcus Benson. Hi, Martin. A cu- Martin spelt wrong. Oh. Uh, a couple of guys that might be of interest are Moby. Not a terrible idea. I think he once said that he really liked Home 17 I might have imagined that, though. Uh, John Grant. Yeah, interesting. Um, love the Newman interview. Looking forward to a possible John Fox interview. Well, um, it's already been out, if you're listening to this. Um, hi, love your podcast. I've been working from home since March 2020. Well, this is Brian Bella. And podcasts are keeping me sane. Interview ideas. Men Without Hats. They were more than safety dance from Pop Goes the World. Their earliest stuff is very sense-based. I didn't know that. I'm not sure I'm a big fan of Men Without Hats, to be honest. Rough Trade. Uh, not really. Um, Buffy St. Marie. I loved Soldier Blue. Uh, I've not heard what she's been doing recently. I don't really see how that's got anything to do with electronic music even at a distance Uh, but I do I think she's got an amazing voice Um, last and not least the only non-Canadian on my list is Dave Stewart from Eurythmics Uh, uh, oh wait one more, Ryuchi Sakamoto Um, I would uh, be happy to talk to either of those Uh, I'll put them on the list Alan Oxley hi Martin, greetings from Los Angeles I hope this finds you well Thank you. I've been enjoying the Electronically Yours podcast series immensely. It's a good word. Rather fine listening material while daydreaming in my garden here in the City of Angels. Oh. It would be wonderful to hear you chatting with Carl Bartus of Craftwork. I am going to approach him soon. Um, I think I've talked to him in the past. I can't remember though. Um... No, I think it might have been uh, Wolfgang Fleur that I talked to, actually. I imagine he has some fascinating tales, another one to throw in the ring. Horror soundtrack master John Carpenter. That would make me very happy. I think he wrote some of the most amazing electronic music for film. The theme from Escape to New York... Escape from... Escape from New York. Um is one of my favourite pieces of electronic music and I had the absolute pleasure of performing it with the Moog Ensemble, uh, which put together by Will Gregory from Goldfrap and and uh, Adrian Utley from Portishead, who I'm, uh, I've already interviewed and will be coming out soon, their interview, uh, performed that on stage in three-dimensional sound on my system. With them, oh my God, that was a thrill! Uh, all the best. Thanks for creating such a captivating series, Alex, from Reinhardt Music. He says, uh, "Okay," and this is Patrick Patrick E Moore. Patrick, Patrick? Spelt in an Irish fashion. Dear Martin, hope this finds you well. Wanted to drop a line to convey my gratitude for your podcast. I'm a lifelong Hem 17 fan. Really enjoying your recent interviews. Rasheen and and Fox are particularly scintillating. Looking forward to listening to what comes next, next. Sending warmest regards from Brussels. Patrick. Curator originally from Dublin. Dublin. Which is where my son is at the moment. Studying at Trinity College. Um, if you have any ideas for the programme, electronically yours... Sorry, I always get that wrong. Martin M-A-R-T-Y-N, at gmail.com. Uh, any ideas for the programme? Praises, grumbles, um, observations are good. You know, things that perhaps I missed about one of the guests... Um, which you found fascinating because it all, all, all the things that you say to me kind of feed into um, the decisions I make about which guests to ask next. So it's not just ideas for guests; it's like uh, maybe there's people I'm not even considered um, who are connected in some way, and they don't have to be musicians, by the way. It could be comedians, uh, creatives of all types, filmmakers. Um, designers anybody who's got something interesting that can hold people's attention for an hour and have had you know, some significant experiences that I can um, kind of wheedle out of them I'd be very happy to hear from you um, so until the next one certainly stacking them up in the old store cupboard now um, I've probably got three months with definitely got three months with Um, uh, So let me know Who you want me to interview And I will see you next week
0: Bye Hmm.